big ol' yikes. Hello, pals. Hi, listeners. Ooh, it's episode 88. It's time for episode 88 of I'm Horrified. Oh my god. We have... We have some fun for you today. We're going to talk about some things. We're going to chat just the two of us. We have two, like, fresh, fun, flirty, yes. quick, might be a shorter episode. We're going to get you in and out. Yeah, you're We're welcome. going to get you through your commute. Yes. Um, But I'm loving it. I'm so excited. We've been going long on episodes lately. There's yeah. been this weird trend of us being like, oh, this episode was 55 minutes. Yeah. Okay. But we're going to be easy, breezy, beautiful today. Yes. Talk about some, like, very, like, cosmopolitan topics. I'm going to talk about Civil War amputation. Nice. What are you going to talk about? Uh, I'm going to talk about Olympic host cities. I'm really excited to hear about this. I wish I could say I was excited to hear about yours, but I feel like it's going to be pretty, it's going to be bad, I Are think. you going to throw up, do you think? No, but I think I'm going to be, I think, remember after the Teratoma episode last week when I was like, I wish I hadn't heard this? Yeah. I think it's going to be like that. That's my guess. I feel differently. I feel like this is more train accident-y, like you want to look. Oh, like I need to know everything, because it's not happening Whereas right now. Whereas Teratoma, it kind of feels like, oh, <laughs> I feel violated. Yeah, like this could be inside me. But I mean, write in and tell me yeah. how you feel, everyone. Let us know if you wish you would never listen to this episode once we're yeah. done <laughs> Let us it. know if you resent us or not. <laughs> I sure do. But I know I'll resent it if you don't start telling me about this real soon, Al. Oh, Talk to me about Civil War amputations. Let's talk about it. A few weeks ago, I did an episode on embalming. Yes. And we talked about Civil War a little bit. Um, our story actually began in the Civil War because then that's when, like, embalming started getting all trendy, right? Because so many people were dying yeah. far from home. Who remembers? Um, and so, like, any nerdy 12-year-old boy... I had Civil War on the brain. Mm-hmm. I just did. And I, I find this war at once incredibly boring and altogether fascinating. Like, I can't decide if I care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I feel like it's one of those wars where, like, in the big picture, you're like, wow, so interesting. And then you start to learn the details and you're like, I'm or bored. I could watch YouTube right now. I'm bored. Yeah. Um. So some of it I'm like, whoa. And then some of it I'm like, I just, I don't care. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the Revolutionary War, where I'm like, I super don't care. Like, I've never cared. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like American history education is so steeped in it. Mm-hmm. It's always such a big thing. It really is. And I guess it was, I sound like such a fucking idiot. It's like, I guess it was important. I mean. It was important. <laughs> I'll give it that. to American history, I don't think the far-reaching consequences are still impacting us to this day. They are. They definitely are. Oh, that's the point you were making. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just <laughs> being. <laughs> I thought you were just dumb. You thought I was just maybe kind of racist. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the no. the far-reaching implications of the Civil War yes. impact us yes. even today. Yes. That's a that's a period. That's a statement of fact. But we don't have time to talk about that. God, imagine um, if one episode we were just like, all right, Reformation. You guys, today, that's what we're gonna talk about. Today we're gonna talk about the history of racism oh in the United States. Us, two white women. Yeah, we're gonna take it on. We thought you needed our take. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the American Civil War, where, where to begin? Where does it begin? We're not going to talk that much about the actual war. We're going to stick mainly to the limbs being cut off. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but for anyone who didn't pay attention in middle school during history class, I will tell you that the American Civil War was a conflict in the United States between 1861 and 1865. Yes, I had to look that up. I forgot. <laughs> My partner absolutely would have been able to tell me, like, oh, yeah, it's from 1861 to 1865. Like, he remembers dates <laughs> from history, and I'm always like, 
okay, fucking nerd. Like, yeah. when did you memorize those? Like, I don't remember these. No. Like, I, it makes me so angry when people, like, remember dates like that. Yeah. Because I wish I could do that. I'm uh-huh. very jealous of it. But you have to just, like, fight and be if like, you all right, told me, If you had told me that the Civil War started in 1925, I would have been like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a little earlier, but I could be wrong. Or if you had said, honestly, if you had said, like, 1780-something, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah. Like, I probably would have <laughs> just gone with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely. have no fucking concept of time. But I can talk about somebody sawing off your arm. Um, <laughs> that should be our new theme song. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Civil War. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was fought between, to put it extremely generally, the North and the South, the Union and the Confederacy. In theory, it was to end the enslavement of Black Americans. But it was really about a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. People in the Union were still racist. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln was racist in many ways. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like, whip out the Civil War to be like, the South is racist. Like, the South is racist, but the North is also racist. Yeah. America is racist. Yeah. Again, we're not going to talk about that so much today because, God, we do not have the time. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I think people like to be like, well, the North was, like, fighting for, you know. Yeah. Enslaved people in America. And it's, like, kind of. Yeah. Like, just kind of. But I will say, like, also sometimes, like, when you're growing up in America, they try to teach you, like, actually the Civil War wasn't about slavery, it was more about states' rights. And it's like, well, no, it was about the states' rights to hold slaves. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it, it all comes back. <laughs> it all comes back. To, uh, the slavery. But I think a lot of people like to act like the North had the ethical high ground. Yeah. Which whereas it, there was still a lot of slavery happening in the north yeah (laughs) in different ways like not necessarily plantation slavery but there was still a lot of abuse and oppression yes we don't have time for this why why are we talking about this we don't have time (laughs) um but yeah that's that's something that is so terrible and ingratiated in society that we are not educated enough to talk about it so we're not going to talk about it i'm just going to talk about cutting people's arms off um so, we actually don't talk about cutting anyone's arm off for a while. Oh. There's a lot of backstory. Okay, well, so great. So, settle in. I'm buckled in. I'm not I'm about ready. to cut anyone's limbs off right now. Huh. This is We're not have to the Star Wars movie it. I thought I was watching. I know. Um, <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. So, one thing that's important to consider is that the Civil War remains one of the absolute bloodiest and most devastating conflicts in American history. Yale Civil War historian David Blight said of the war... The Civil War left a culture of death, a culture of mourning, beyond anything Americans had ever experienced or imagined. Wow. So it just kind of plunged America into, like, rotting corpses and death and mourning and terribleness. Yeah, people were just, like, left dying left and right. Like, it was just, it was like a bloodbath, Mm -hmm. literally. Um, And we talked about this a little bit during the embalming segment about how bodies were just, like, stacked up and on most battlefields, like, the stench of decaying human flesh was overpowering. Great. Um, God, it's so early in the morning. (laughs) We usually record this at night, but, like, I just had breakfast. Um, But we're really getting the listener experience because most people listen to this, like, on their commutes in the morning. Are you eating a bagel right now? Because I just ate a bagel and I want to vomit. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, anywho, what we should talk about... What should we talk about first? Warfare or medical practice? It's a combination of warfare and the medical practices at the time. So the warfare at the time and the medical practices at the time that come together to make this so 
terrible. Let's start with warfare. Let's start there. Obviously, guns are a thing. Yes. In the Civil War. They exist. Um, but we're still dealing with, like, musket yeah. territory, a la Paul Revere's, like, Revolutionary War, all that. I'm sure they've, like, moved forward a few mm-hmm. clicks since mm-hmm. the Revolutionary War, but, it's, like, a musket is a musket yeah. is a musket, in my opinion. Yeah, amen. Also, by the way, I believe in my heart that if you are one of those, like, Second Amendment gun nuts mm-hmm. who's like, you know, like, you can't just respect the founding fathers, like, these are inalienable rights, it's, like, totally fair. Like, you can absolutely have the guns that they had <laughs> yes. when they wrote the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. Totally fair. Absolutely. You can have, an you can have a musket. musket. You can have as many muskets as you want. Absolutely. You can have a militia of muskets. You can have a bow because and arrow. you know what? You can't, da- you can't take down a stadium full of teenagers with a musket. That's Somebody true. would tackle you. Yeah. So I'm fine with that, actually. If yeah. that's the compromise we need to make, I'll take it. Go for okay. it. Psychopaths. What was I talking about? Um, amputation. amputation. Right. No. Good. Civil War weaponry. Okay. So just before the Civil War, a French prick made a bad decision. <laughs> And I will let ThoughtCo.com explain. In the 1840s, an officer in the French army, Claude Etienne Minier, invented a new bullet. It was different than the traditional round musket ball, as it had a conical shape. And you're like, who cares? (laughs) Why does anyone care about this? Minier's new bullet had a hollow base at the bottom, which would be forced to expand by gases released by the igniting gunpowder when the rifle was fired. Still, who cares? The new bullet, which was commonly called the Minier Ball by the time of the Civil War, was extremely destructive. The version which was commonly used throughout the Civil War was cast in lead and was a 58 caliber, which was larger than most bullets used today. Oh, when the Minier Ball struck a human bar- body, it did enormous damage. Doctors treating wounded soldiers were often perplexed by the damage it caused. A medical textbook published a decade after the Civil War, A System of Surgery, would love to read that, (laughs) went into considerable detail describing the effects of Minier balls. And this is a quote within a quote. Oh. (laughs) From William Todd Helmuth, who wrote that, who's probably also a fucking idiot and doesn't know anything (laughs) about surgery. The effects are truly terrible. Bones are ground almost to powder, muscles, ligaments, and tendons torn away, and the parts otherwise so mutilated that loss of life certainly of limb, is almost inevitable consequence. None but those who have had occasion to witness the effects produced upon the body by these missiles projected from the appropriate gun can have any idea of the horrible laceration that ensues. The wound is often four to eight times as large as the diameter of the base of the ball, and the laceration so terrible that mortification, meaning gangrene, almost inevitably results. Yikes. Big ol' yikes. I would be uh, real bummed if that was my legacy. Like, if they were like, this is the Buntage Bullet, it fucks you up. I'd be like, well, you know, I also <laughs> I also wrote poetry. Yeah. Like. I also discovered a flower in France. Yeah. Nobody named it the Minier flower. No. But the Minier Bullet. Everyone's talking about Minier. Everyone's talking about Minier now. <laughs> Minier this. Are you happy, Dad? Are you proud of me yet? Um, it all comes back to daddy issues. It does, doesn't it? Um, so that's horrible <laughs> but now we're going to talk about where we are so that's where we are warfare wise yes so we've just got an these, example we've got these bullets that can yes. just really fuck a just motherfucker up fuck a motherfucker up now let's talk about where we are medically Ooh, i assume in, in the realm of medical science i assume absolutely ready to deal with it right um well researched into how these bullets work yeah. Deep the, in the germ theory. With an understanding of the human body yeah. and um, and bacteria and germs. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. I mean, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> so in 
So even if you had just the best doctor. Yes. <laughs> just the best doctor out there in 1861. <laughs> they were still a functional idiot. Right? <laughs> Germ theory was like just beginning to be a thing like while everyone was murdering each other. Mm. I think Pasteur or whoever did germ theory was like, oh, wait, <laughs> like this might be a thing. And it's like, you couldn't have done that like 20 years earlier. <laughs> um, and like, there was no such thing as sterilization. Our understanding of bacteria and infections and how they worked, how they moved through the body were minimal, how infections got transferred from person to person, how they like moved throughout the body, how they manifested in terms of like color on the skin and all this stuff. Mm. Like everyone was just kind of guessing and no one was right. So even the best doctor in the world, there's a great chance they're just going to cut your spleen open. Great. For no reason at all. They're like, I think the ghosts are housed in the spleen. <laughs> yeah, so. they don't know. So now in the Civil War, we have, like, a handful of surgeons who know what they're doing. Uh-huh. And I'm doing heavy air quotes back here, like, know what they're doing. Um, and the rest of them are just, like, a thousand people just doing their best. Mm-hmm. Doing their darn best. Just like everyone else, you know? Like, you've got farmers out there on the battlefield trying to kill someone. They never held a gun in their life. And, you know, they don't know what they're doing either. So you can't get mad when, like, a pharmacist or something is tasked mm-hmm. with, like, sawing your leg off. What are yeah. you going to do? I mean, give peace a chance. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is just the reason. Yeah. So what does this mean? What does this combination of new explosive bullets and medieval medical knowledge mean? Well, a lot of people complained about how many amputations were being done during the Civil War, even during the conflict. Oh. So, like, so many people were being sent home without limbs that everyone was writing to Abraham Lincoln, like, how can this possibly be necessary? Yes. <laughs> but it did. It was becoming, like, the, first. the front line. <laughs> the first place you go. And he's like, oh, man, I got this splinter. And they were like, we got to take the whole arm. And that was, like, and that's, I think, an enduring legacy. That's why I thought of this. Yeah. Of, like, oh, my God, didn't we, like, cut a million people's arms off? And it's kind of true, and but this is the thing. It wasn't just... Well, it was and it wasn't that nobody knew what they were doing. Yes. It's true that nobody knew what they were doing, so that's part of it. But then also, <laughs> this is the thing. So when you're kind of a doctor, uh-huh. not even really a doctor, and a limb comes to you in a million pieces, you can't really do anything. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can really do at that point. And you've learned through trial and error that in this situation, you're in a tent that's filled with people, it's dimly lit, Mm -hmm. it's not clean, there's no such thing as hygiene, I don't even know if that's a word yet. Yeah. Um, like, you just have to kind of do the thing that you think will keep them alive. Yeah. And the other thing is that you've got, like, 30 people in line behind that guy, Mm -hmm. because... There's, like, a million other people with the same bullet wound. And you have to act fast to save their life. And you also understand that gangrene or infection is actually more dangerous to this person than the wound itself. Yeah. That people are kind of getting hip to. Like, actually... If this gets infected. Yeah. If 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 this spreads, then we're fucked. Yeah. I don't understand infection, but I know if this turns green, that's bad. Yes. So what do you do, Sam? You just chop it right chop off. Chop it right I off. What are, you, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what this would look like. Because there were so many people lining up to get something chopped off (laughs) that oftentimes there would be piles of limbs near the surgeon's tables. Literally. And there's, like, an intern whose job is to, like, move it. Count the limbs. (laughs) Um, there are pictures of this online. Ah! I do not recommend you look at them. Let me 
let me bear that burden for you. Oh my god. How how tall of a pile? Like a like a basket. Like a basket of full arms. of limbs. <laughs> Do you think they did they organize them by what the limb was or was it just like limb goes in the limb basket or was it like there's an arm basket? I imagine everyone's scre- everyone's screaming. <laughs> And just running around like, ah, I don't know what to do. And even the surgeon's like cutting it off. He's like, I'm not sure. I'm cutting in the right position. Like, I don't, I don't imagine, but it was probably just like, oh yes, this, the limb bucket, put the foot in the limb bucket. Why not? Move on. Where else are you supposed to put it? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? I, I actually imagine it all being very civil. It's either total shit show uh-huh. or everyone's just like, well, here's what we're doing. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do? It's like when you're so fucked that a calm descends upon you. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, yeah. I'm chopping off another fish today. It's just like, what are you, yeah. And the guy at the table's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is fine. Um, but, so, the surgeons, and I keep calling them surgeons. I don't have anything else to call them. They might have been, like, shoemakers. Yeah. Like, anyone who could use tools. Yeah, it I used to be, like, totally fine. the blacksmith of the town. Was yeah, the blacksmith to. would also pull your teeth, would also cut your arm off. Yeah. But the surgeon, we'll call them surgeons. They hardly ever changed their clothes, their blood-splattered clothes. So you just approach this, like, harbinger of torture, and he'd be covered in the blood of all the limbs he just cut off. Oh, my God. For this reason, they were often called butchers. And then, oh, yeah, the limbs basket is over in the corner, <laughs> and you're like, my foot's about to go in there. Yeah, wow. And you're looking at the basket like, something of mine's gonna be in the basket. Oh, man. The basket really gets me. Yeah. For some reason, that's the stickiest point. In my brain. No thank yous. Um, Abigail, could you take out the limb (laughs) basket? It's overflowing. Um, I know. Contrary to popular belief, most people were actually anesthetized during these procedures. Was it like with whiskey? No, no. Chloroform. Okay. So. That's what I'd want. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's the thing is like most people weren't. I feel like a lot of movies have people like being awake as they're like actually sawing. They're like biting out a With a garden saw. Yeah. Yeah, No. It was, they were usually chloroformed until they were unconscious. Um, And some people actually died from chloroform poisoning. Yikes. And I have to say, fine. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. I would be like, if things have escalated to that point, I would say to the guy, look. Yeah, I'm actually good. Don't hold back. Yeah. If you go a little heavy hand on the chloroform, I'm not going to be mad. God's not going to be mad. I need you to not half-ass be on that part of it, though. Yeah. That's necessary. I need you to give me, give me the Just good shit. do what you got to do. Yeah. I don't want to remember any of this. So, the procedure. Again, I, I just ate a bagel. I just ate breakfast. So I didn't feel like I had the stones to really synthesize any of this information. So I copied and pasted this from Wikipedia. I'm just going to read it and try not to connect with it. Yeah. So I'm going to read it for you people. I'm going to try to disengage from what I'm saying. Yeah, I might pass out, but we're going to see. All right, let's see. Amputations had to be made at the point above where the wound occurred, mm-hmm. often leaving men with stub limbs. Mm-hmm. A flap of skin was saved and stitched to the stump to cover the wound. Mm-hmm. There's not a better medical word other than stump. <laughs> There's nothing better. They I could would have think used. there was. There was. They would have come nothing, up with something. Nothing else. There were two types of amputations: primary and secondary. The primary amputation was done. Between 24 to 48 hours after the injury, the secondary amputation was done after a longer period of time, often because of infection. So they're like, maybe you can keep the leg. And then a week later, they're like, you can't. You really can't. <laughs> During this time, there were two main methods of amputation, the flap method and the circular method. The flap method was typically used when an amputation had to be done quickly. The bone was cut above the flaps of skin and muscle, which were pulled together to close the wound. 
Great. So they cut like up into the leg. No, I didn't need you to further describe hack out it. the bone and then just like take a needle and thread and are like, let's close it up. Uh huh. I assume. Um, I mean, I'm as much of a doctor as these people are. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. If that sounds right to you, that would sound right to them. So that's the flap method. I hate it. What's method so number two? The circular method was a circular cut that only allowed a flap of surface skin to cover the wound. So I think what that means is they're not cutting up into the meat yeah. <laughs> of your limb to get the bone out and then just stitching all the muscle and shit closed. Uh-huh. They'd like make a clean cut. Uh-huh. Sam's <laughs> Sam's fully in like the airplane going down position with like head between her knees right now. No, I'm fine. So that was like a clean cut. Like, so you get like a, like a spiral cut, honey glazed ham kind of look at the end. Don't Do you know that. what I'm saying? <laughs> and then they like put some skin over it, but it's just skin, not muscle. So it can like maybe grow back over. That's not what I would prefer. Fair enough. I just go up like, if you're not too busy, um, <laughs> could we circular this? So, Man. God, I am breathing heavily. Yeah. I really don't like the name flat method. <laughs> There that sounds go. like a weird form of there old-timey birth control, like the pull-out method. Like, you know, yeah, the, the flap method. method. <laughs> Flap it up. <laughs> um, so these surgeries, you know, complicated though they were, usually took about 10 minutes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> because you gotta move there through was the a line. line of people through the waiting line. for their turn. There's and not a fast pass in the Civil no, War. You there's can't not. come back later. There's, you can't come back later. So... I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, that's it. Like, that's the end of this segment. Like, you either, you did that, and then you either died from infection, probably, or you got to return home where you would be forever judged by your society. Which is fucked up, because, like, you weren't in the Civil War. Yeah, and they were usually, like, called, like, invalids and, like, and, you know, scorned at for having, you know, a disability, which is horrible and um you know but i guess everyone was horrible to each other in history fair enough if you're even a little bit different it sucks it was a bummer but you're probably gonna die at like 23 anyways so it'll be over soon so yeah history is awful yeah guns are bad yeah thank you you doctors who exist now who are good yeah i'm so glad i love the field of medical science for all that it's done (laughs) yeah It didn't just stop there. No. It didn't take the easy way out, which is just, let's just keep cutting them off. Takes ten minutes. Just takes ten minutes. Just just ten minutes. Um, so yeah, I'm sweating. Yeah. I feel gross. That was hard. Um. That was awful. Uh, thanks, but... But no thanks. But no thanks. But no thanks. Ah. What are you talking about? I'm dizzy. Oh my god. <laughs> I like need a water. I'm like, should we pause this? We and can't I can't pause it. No, you gotta do all this cold like, water. Okay, I'll in just this go. state. Yep. Oh, the Olympic. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Olympic cities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is better, I guess, in that you don't have to envision a surgery. <laughs> Everyone else is like, I already shut this off. I don't want to hear you guys talk about anything. Yeah, everyone's gonna be like, one star. I hated it, and I, I don't know it. anything about Olympic cities because I turned it off. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys, uh, we're gonna talk about Olympic host cities. Uh, there is an Olympics this year, uh, and it's in Tokyo, 2020 Tokyo. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Uh, I was also thinking about the Olympics, because recently here in Boston, we were doing a bid to host a future Olympics. Nope. Which we did not get, and I was thrilled. And then, Allie, another thing I think about the Olympics, um, Allie, as you know, my pitch for rebooting Parks and Recreation in another 10 years 
is that Leslie Nope is now the governor of Indiana and she is trying to bring the Olympics to Pawnee. Yes, it's a um, really good idea. Thank you very much. Part of my pitch also is that Greg Pakaitis has grown up and he is now the deputy director of Parks and Rec. And so she doesn't believe that he, you know, is serious about his job and that's, a, you know, a conflict throughout the series. NBC, give me a call. Uh, I think it's such a good idea. Yeah. You fleshed it out to the point where I'm really on board. Yeah. I think I it's mean, really fun. I mean, Amy Poehler, text me. I'll give you my number right now. It's 518. I can't do that here. DM me. <laughs> If you have our Twitter. I know you follow us there. I know you do. I was a huge fan of Yes, Please. Um, please. Yes, please hire me to reboot Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's pretty much all I ever think about the Olympics for is those couple of fun facts. Um, so we all kind of accept that it is an honor for your city to host the Olympics. But is it good? Uh, no. The answer is actually no. Oh, no. Uh, you don't want your city to host the Olympics, and today I'm gonna tell you why. Because nothing can be fun. That's the promise of this podcast. Yep. So. You knew. <laughs> let's just get into it. I'm gonna list out just some, like, uncomfortable truths, uh, about hosting the Olympics. Number one, it costs millions of dollars just to get the Olympics to pick your city to host the Olympics in. What? Yeah, so... Why does it cost anything? So if you want the Olympics to come to your city, you have to start devoting time and resources to it 11 years out from the Olympics you want to host. So, like, we'd have to start thinking about, like, Olympics 2031 if we wanted to host it here in Boston. We don't need to do that. I don't want ever to host it here in Boston, but that's what you need to start thinking. So the people who are going to be lobbying for the Olympics to come to your city, it really should be like local leaders. But uh, wouldn't that be nice if it was like genuinely people who are invested in the growth of the city and and Mm -hmm. want it to be good? Usually it's construction companies and architects and hoteliers and they have a lot of money and they know that their specific industries will be really benefited by the Olympics coming. Yeah. Uh, and then they get politicians kind of into it through lobbying money. That's so fun. Yeah. So, so it's, in keeping with the spirit of the Olympics. Yeah. So it's not like actually people from like who love your city who will be wanting the Olympics to come there. It's people who know they can profit off it. Um, and so it costs $150,000 to put your city in the running. Like that's the entry fee. Like when we had to apply for college and it was like 50 bucks to do the Common App. It's like that, but it's $150,000. That's absurd. Then, if your city is a finalist, you get to pay another $500,000. For what purpose? To do a better finalist pitch. Oh my god. And that's just the amount, like, you pay to apply, right? So if you want to hire, like, fun people from your city to be in the video, if you want to spruce up any parts of your city, like, that's all more money on top. Um, so an example is that Chicago was trying to get the 2016 Olympics. They did not. But when they were making their finalist bid, they enlisted Barack Obama as, like, lobbyist in chief. And they ended up spending between $100 million and $150 million on this <gasps> bid that they didn't get. Oh. So that's, like, so much money for something horrible. that didn't come to their city. That's horrible. So that's fucked up. Your city's already lost a ton of money. But let's just say that $100 million was all worth it. And your city gets picked for the Olympics. Yay. Great. What happens now? Do you get your $100 million back? No. Okay. Um, what you have to do now is actually get your city ready for the Olympics. Uh, and that is not so easy because here's hard truth number two. You have a very strict deadline. <laughs> so um, here in this great city of Boston, there is always a lot of construction happening. 
Uh, and none of it has ever been done on time, to my knowledge. We're not good at big projects. Here. There was, like, a tunnel that was getting repaired near my apartment, and it took an extra three months for reasons that make no sense, because they were just, like, repainting it. We're terrible at big things. Yeah. So, that's annoying, but, like, if you think something's gonna be done in October and it's done in December, like, you're annoyed, but it's fine. Uh, not so with the Olympics, because everything actually has to be done by the opening ceremony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you can't have, like, the concrete still drying, on your giant stadium when there are athletes playing in it. You cannot. And because you really have to get it done, your city ends up spending a ton more money and resources and, like, overworking the people actually working on it because it is a project that has to get done. Um, A study by researchers at the University of Oxford found that the cost of the Olympic Games um, overrun their budget with a 100% consistency. So every city that has hosted an Olympic Games has overrun its budget. preparing for this olympics um according to the same study the cost of the 2004 athens olympics ran over by 60 percent 60 percent yes um the albert bill france 1992 games ran over by 135 percent and the lake placid new york 1932 games ran over by 320 percent lake placid's like five miles long i know But so, like, but that's all because they need to get everything perfect and exactly on time, which, like, usually you don't have to do for a Yeah, usually the the reason that they extend it is because, like, us could be too expensive to get it done by this deadline, so we're just gonna, like, not. Just wait. Yeah. Yeah. But you cannot do that with the Olympics. So, uh, it should, however, all be worth it, because the Olympics should bring a shit ton of tourism to your city. Or will it? Uncomfortable truth number three, it might not actually increase tourism to your city. How? So it's like, people will come for the Olympics, right? And they need to sleep, and they need to eat. So that's great. However, if you are already a city that has pretty good tourism, so like London or like Athens, um, the people who would come to your city during that time are going to say, oh, the city's hosting the Olympics. I'm not going to go this year. And like, therefore, it all balances out to the same amount of tourism you would have gotten anyways. So, like, during the 2012 London Games, attendance um, at the West End theaters, like, declined like crazy. Mm -hmm. Because no one who was coming into London for theater came into London for theater because they were like, oh, the fucking Olympics is there. I'm not going to come. Um, And in the Beijing Summer Olympics in 2008, hotel bookings in Beijing actually dropped. Wow. Like, it just, people were like, oh, I'm going to avoid Beijing if the Olympics are there. Yeah, not this year, Beijing. (laughs) Not this year, Beijing. So these cities spent hundreds of millions of dollars they actually didn't get really any extra tourism that sucks so maybe short term the olympics aren't all that helpful but the increase in infrastructure to your city has got to be great in the long term right so this is famously always a reason that cities like say it's going to be great that the olympics is coming because we're going to finish all these infrastructure projects that we've wanted to do we're going to improve are, you know, public transit. Doesn't We're going to build these exciting stadiums and these new places that we can fill with exciting and interesting stuff. And this one is kind of 50-50. Some cities really do use the Olympics as an excuse to revitalize areas of their cities that need it. So, like, uh, London's largely depressed East End was revitalized by construction for the 2012 Games. Seoul's Han River got, like, a huge cleanup for the 1988 Games. Um, and in Vancouver, they built a transit line from downtown to the airport. And apparently that's like the best thing ever. And everyone in Vancouver is like, oh, I'm so glad the Olympics came. So we got this transit line. Mm -hmm. So that's great. 
But sometimes cities focus less on that stuff and more on giant Olympic stadiums that actually have no use. Yeah, this is the crazy thing. Once the Olympics leave. Yeah. So it's like um, Beijing built this giant stadium that was called Bird's Nest. Um, and it occasionally hosts soccer games, but it is mostly empty so that like you can pay and just ride a Segway around it. Like it has time to do that <laughs> if you want. That sounds kind of fun. It does sound fun, but, but like super dumb use of yeah, that like space. like imagine doing that in TD Garden in Boston. Like there'd never be time on the schedule. Yeah, to do that. And then like in Brazil for the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Games, which I'm going to talk about more. Um, they built like a new transit system, but Brazilians complained that only high income neighborhoods actually benefited from that transit system. So, aka like the people who already had easy ways to get to work. Got a nicer, fancier transit system. That's shit. So, uh, speaking of income equality, where do you put your giant Olympic stadium? How about on top of your low-income housing? Oh, yep. Yeah. So, here's a couple fun examples. Um, Atlanta hosted the Olympics in 1996, and they ended up tearing down um, the country's first project housing area, Techwood, and the neighboring Clark Howell complex to make way for these Olympic facilities. So the city had to relocate 6,000 residents from public housing. How can they do that? They can't. They end up in like awful places really far from the city where they were. And after the games, rapid gentrification of these areas followed, which displaced another 24,000 people. So like the fact that they had like torn, 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 (laughs) my brain was like, they're tearing it down. The fact that they had torn. That they had to tore it down. They tore it down. Thank you. Jesus. My brain. No, that was hard. How about this? Um, The fact that they had to tear down all of these, like, low-income housing areas, everything around it just got more and more expensive, so the people that were living there also got kicked out. Like, it's so fucked up. Um, And it's like, duh, if you think about it. Yeah. But I just, you know... You don't think about You're just like, things. oh, yeah. cool. They had all this empty space they built an Olympic stadium on. Like, and everyone's like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, or let's travel back to Brazil. So they dipped a toe in this bad pattern when they hosted the 2014 World Cup. Um, Brazil, oh, yeah, FIFA. Yeah, Brazil was ranked 12th globally in social inequality, but somehow the government managed to find $14 billion to host the World Cup games. Where did they uh, find it? Just from not helping their people. Um, and then... It ended up that 250,000 people were either directly or indirectly forced to leave their homes by the new construction for the World Cup, often violently. Oh my god. Then, two years later in 2016, Brazil's like, we're gonna do it again. (laughs) We're gonna host the Olympics, baby. Maybe don't. And um, about 70,000 people are displaced by the Olympics, and almost 1,000 poor people, who were mostly um, black men, were killed in a pacification effort to clean up the city's image. Jesus Christ. So they were literally just, like, murdering people so the city would look, quote-unquote, nicer for when the Olympics Oh my came. god. It's fucked up. Yeah, so, like, according to a report that came out in 2008, the six summer Olympics that have been held between the 1988 Seoul Games and the 2008 Beijing Games forcibly evicted or otherwise displaced more than two million people. Who just, like, had to leave their homes because there was an Olympics. Which is fucked up, because the Olympics exists for, like, two weeks. And nobody cares. And not that many And it doesn't care. matter, and it doesn't matter. Even if one person was displaced, that's not a good enough I reason. I know. Uh, and let's just think about a bad one to come. Los Angeles, 2028. Oh my god. <laughs> so Los Angeles won the Olympic bid in 2017 to host the 2028 Olympics. 
Um, and it also has the highest rate of chronic homelessness in the United States and struggles to provide affordable housing to its residents. Do we have a guess about what's going to happen? Um, the LA bid committee estimated it will cost 5.3 billion to stage the games. So that is a lot of money that is going towards building a new stadium and prettier housing around there. And it's not going towards its ever growing homeless population who are the ones who really need the resources. Yeah. And all the other fucking problems that LA has. Yeah. Jesus. And LA saying like, we're really going to be thoughtful and like, we're going to make it so that the stuff we build for the Olympics has long lasting positive effects. And like, maybe they will, but it's really hard to do that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, now, helpfully. Uh, we can't talk, though, because Boston wanted to do this. I know. And I'm so Horrible. glad they didn't. Ugh. Uh, helpfully, Britannica.com provided me with a list of examples of some of the worst Olympics. So among the cities that were most, uh, and Britannica's word is boondoggled oh by hosting the Olympics, was Montreal um, in 1976. Its longtime mayor, um, Jean Drapeau, Famously boasted that the Olympics can no more lose money as a man can have a baby. Uh, but gender's a construct Wait, because what? the Montreal <laughs> Games ended up swamping the city in debt until 2006. So no. they hosted it in 76. Well, wouldn't you know, men can have babies. There so. you go. There you go. That's a, that's a true fact because gender is a myth. Amen. So the projected cost of $360 million ended up ballooning to $1.6 billion, partly due to mismanagement by Drapeau. Um, who wanted to fund the games with the sale of commemorative coins. Uh, so that was bad. Another classic is the 2004 Athens Games. Some have, observers have pointed out the city's less than stellar performance in the games and around the games as a catalyst for the country's financial and economic collapse in 2008. Oh, that happened, it right. It could be like a relatively straight line can be drawn between Bloop. the money they spent on that shitty Olympics and them, them not having any money at all. Yeah, the overrun of the I'm sure final... it's a little more complicated than that. A little, but the overrun of the final bill for the Athens Games cost Greek taxpayers about 50,000 euros per household. Oof. So, like, didn't help. <laughs> no. No, it did not. And finally, a recent classic, uh, Sochi 2014 Winter Games, mm -hmm. uh, a.k.a. an absolute public relations disaster for Vladimir Putin's Russia. Yep. So, it ended up costing Russia $50 billion, the highest Olympic price tag to date, but Sochi was filled with unfinished hotel rooms, packs of dogs roaming the Olympic village, right. famously. Um, and one of the giant Olympic rings failed to light during the opening ceremony, which was everyone just being like, seems right. That sounds about right, yeah. Um, and then also, like, PR-wise, there was this huge backlash against Russia's, like, huge homophobia in, like, and Putin's homophobia. And a lot of people were boycotting. And a lot of people reason. were going, which is great that they did that, but was, like, not the goal of bringing the Olympics to Sochi for the Russians. Yeah. Like, it ended up being a really bad look for them. So, I mean, good luck, Tokyo. Good luck, LA. And I am so thrilled Boston did not get the Olympics. Yeah, we would not have done well with that project. I feel so happy that it's not going to be here. We uh, were barely able to make Matt Damon famous. <laughs> just barely. And that took, that was a collective effort. We all worked really hard on that one. We all worked really one. hard on that one. Yeah. So. Oh boy. But yeah, that's what it's like to host the Olympics. We should not do this at the beginning of a day. <laughs> yeah, now my whole day is going to feel kind of like a bummer. going to be ruined. Well, we'll find some fun stuff to be thrilled about. Yeah, what are you, what's one thing that you're thrilled about? Um, what am I thrilled about? I had a great... Egg on a pepper biscuit this morning. Ooh, that sounds delicious. And it was delicious. 
That sounds delicious. It really was. So that was thrilling to me. How about you, Allie? I was very ill early this week. Yeah, poor thing. I was throwing up constantly, but and I couldn't eat food for like days, and I ate food today. Wow. And yesterday. Yeah. But the foods, I'm starting to be able to eat normal food again. That's really exciting. So every time I eat anything, I'm like, ah. Ah, uh, food. Uh, the first time I could sip, like, water without vomiting, I was like, oh! <laughs> a revelation. It so. really was. <laughs> it's the little things, you guys. <laughs> it truly is. Um, alright, well. Enjoy the little things this enjoy week, Enjoy the guys. little things. Ask your city to please not host the Olympics. Beg them. And it, if you live in LA, I'm sorry about that. And until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified! Thank you.